0: do you remember <laughs> i just like the last time i was in this apartment i didn't play ultimate at all and i asked chris and jimmy if they played ultimate and got like just blank stares so that was
1: what, a good you time played ultimate before i played right? ultimate you before had, but i like to brunch I hadn't, and we talked about, yeah uh,
0: the, i hadn't played ultimate for like the glory days <laughs> yeah i like
2: you know she told me the story and i was like oh my god This is like going up to Seinfeld and being like, are you an actor?
0: Hey guys, I'm Liz.
2: (laughs) And I'm Nick. And
0: And this this is is the Ultimate Ultimate Inc. Podcast.
2: Where we talk to our friends from on the field.
0: About their lives off of the field.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh this week this week we talked to uh chris kotcher who's one of our good friends who lives here in new york um he we we tried to find a bio of him but he he's elusive a little bit we can't find all of, he's so good that he's we can't so find all of the good information. that we
0: can't find everything out about him. <laughs> right
2: exactly um but he's he's won at least three gold medals four i think oh four
0: Chris is amazing. He started playing at Paideia, and when he was in high school, he won gold with the boys team for the World Junior Ultimate Championships. In is that 20- the U23
2: or u That was the
0: U19 team oh, cool. at the time. And he won gold with the U23 team in 2015. He won a gold medal with the World Ultimate and Guts Championship in 2016. And... It also looks like he won a gold medal in Poland at the World Games with Team USA as well. And that brings he, us to 2017.
2: Yeah, and then he definitely got silver at the World Club Championships in Cincinnati with Colony he was playing.
0: Yeah, And that's he
2: right. won um, nationals, USA nationals in 2019 with Pony, so...
0: Yeah, that's amazing.
2: That's at l- that's that's at least what he's done. I and, think maybe he's wait, done a he lot won, more. And he won
0: um he got selected for Team USA in 2020. But because of the pandemic, unfortunately, he wasn't able to go, but it's still a huge accomplishment to have gotten selected for that team and hopefully he'll be able to go again the next time that happens.
2: Yeah, and we had a great interview with him today. We had so much fun. Yeah, we um talked to him about failure and um, you know, his his Outlook on how, you know, he's changed the way that he sees success in Ultimate. Um, we also talked about a lot of his hobbies outside of Frisbee, which are, you know, we talked about flying, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, so, yeah, we talked about a lot of cool stuff. On yeah, it
0: was show. really neat. Um, the first time I met Chris was back in 2018. It was when I wasn't playing... And I still kind of had some work to do in terms of like understanding my own relationship with Ultimate. And we had brunch together and we got a chance to talk about kind of both of our experiences playing and a lot of the things that, you know, experiences that I had when I was younger, like, you know, I got pretty burnt. I had been playing really seriously when I was in high school and early college, and I just got really burned out. I wasn't really enjoying playing, and I wasn't really sure what to do. So I decided to step back from the sport. Chris actually had a little bit of a similar experience. He dealt with it in a different way than I did, um, in a way that helped him kind of step back and take a little bit of a break and then kind of set himself up to accelerate kind of after college into the future. Um, and a lot of the advice he gave me was really good about like, you know, you can step back, you can t- take a break and then you can get, you know, you can accelerate back into it once you're ready to do that. And um, that conversation was really kind of pivotal to me to look at my own situation in a little bit of a different way. Like there was, you know, there's always time, to come back and grow as an ultimate player and taking time off isn't the end of the world or taking a step back from the sport isn't the end of your career. Even though that was a conversation that we had a long time ago, I just had this gut feeling that talking to Chris would be really interesting. And um, I really enjoyed our conversation today. So I hope you do too. Yeah. Let's just do playing history. Can you just tell us about how you got started playing and...
1: Definitely. Um, so I started playing at Paideia, um, which is a high school K through twelve in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, it's known for ultimate, which is kind of bizarre, but it is. Um, so I I learned to throw when I was really young. I was like around frisbees, probably from like around fourth grade. Was like probably when I can't, we started playing five hundred on the playground. I hadn't really played much competitively, obviously, but um learning to throw and oh, you guys end- are playing
0: five hundred on the playground when you're like
1: in yeah, fourth and, like, grade? Ele- <laughs> yeah, and like elementary <laughs> school, definitely.
0: Um, oh, because you yeah, went to Paidea. Like- I was like, wait, what oh yeah, that kind of made- okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: so we like we like the the P the varsity coach of the men's team was the P E teacher for Paidea. So like he's someone who's been in my life since I was you know, in first grade through graduating high school. Um, and so like for me, when I was younger, ultimate was a varsity sport at Parea. It was like the some of the best athletes at the school were playing ultimate. So as a elementary school student, I thought it was super cool. Um Like I thought the sport was really cool and I thought it was like really competitive. And like my view of it was very much how I'm sure other elementary kids do you like soccer and basketball and more established sports wait um, so when
0: would that have been was that like that would have been like in the late 90s when you're in elementary school or like the I mid was, 90s it was
1: like early 2000s right so like my freshman year of high school was 2007 okay so yeah i guess
0: the 2000s like, yeah yeah, 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 mid, yeah.
1: early mid 2000s
0: so what was all like i'm trying to remember like i mean i don't one was ultimate like in the night like In the early 2000s, like there was,
1: yeah, there was. It was pretty early date. It was was like like, it was early. There's definitely like established club teams. Like Chain was very good. Uh I knew of Chain. It there was definitely it was before like Ulti World and even like Skied. I mean, maybe some of these were around, but it wasn't something I was I was not following Ultimate. Yeah, in like a way aside from like oh, there's cool high schoolers that play ultimate. And like my PE teacher is the coach of the ultimate team. Yeah. And like, I enjoy playing. It was definitely not something I was following outside of like me and my like elementary school friends. That's enjoying so amazing running though. Around. Like
0: yeah. having, like knowing about ultimate when you're in elementary school, like knowing about like chain when you're like <laughs> in like the fourth grade so, or something.
2: So I started playing in, in high school and like, yeah. that was in what, 2000 and seven or 2006 seven and I thought that that felt early to me for yeah like ultimate, right but like at that point you know we knew about people like Bo Kittredge and like oh yeah you know like mm-hmm. I, there was the YouTube video of him jumping over people yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that was like Bo as much over, ultimate right? yeah like that was the like content that like existed my
1: experience here and, and I wasn't like don't get me wrong like we were not really playing organized ultimate in elementary school but we were aware of it and and then high school was my first experience with competitive ultimate that was like playing on uh the paidea high school team and it was like a big deal for me to like try out and make varsity as a freshman like that was like my big goal coming through like seventh and eighth grade was like i wanted to make the varsity ultimate team which i I think is a fairly unique experience for people usually it's like Mm -hmm. they just have a group of friends that you play ultimate with after school and there's not really like a team with a coach and they have cuts mm-hmm. and things like that. So that was, and I don't think I realized quite how unique that was until I got out of high school. Yeah. Um, Did,
0: were there other people in your class who like were excited to make, trying to make the yeah, varsity team I mean, it too? Was like, it was like a, <laughs> That's the it was biggest sport at the school.
1: It was like one of the bigger sports at the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were really good. My freshman year, we had like a lot of upperclassmen that were seniors that year that went on to be very, very good players. Like, uh, Grant Lindsley and George Stubbs were on that team. They were seniors when I was a freshman. Oh,
2: that's and so cool. And
1: they, they both had played chain in high school. So wow. they were like, I was like, oh my God, these people are incredible. In
0: high school they <laughs> and, played for chain? Yeah, they played. Oh my God. I think it
1: was like their what? junior or senior year they played for chain. So like they were they were very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that I think helped drive my desire to get better at ultimate and like take it really seriously. Cause I had, I saw these people I looked up to Mm -hmm. that took it really seriously, were really athletic and chose ultimate. And so it it sort of gave me a path to being like, I can want to be really competitive and like take sports really seriously and have that sport be ultimate, which I think is not something most people have the opportunity to do or see that until they get to college maybe. And then they start seeing people take it seriously or even after college.
2: Were there like other sports that were on your radar at all?
1: I mean, I, I loved basketball. I still love basketball. I don't play that much anymore, but like love watching basketball. Um, It was never, I mean, I was really good in like sixth grade and then I kind of, I peaked and um, didn't, I mean I played I I played JV basketball my freshman and sophomore year and then yeah I mean it was really mostly ultimate for me. I played baseball really seriously when I was as seriously as you can play when you're a little kid up until really high school and then it was the same season as ultimate and I and I decided to play ultimate. I mean soccer was something I played but it was never really something I was going to pick over ultimate and it was the same season. So
0: I love how this is like the opposite. Like for most of us, it's like, oh, yeah, I really love basketball. But then I got cut. We always joke that like everybody who plays Ultimate just got cut from the basketball team. I mean, so we shouldn't of, like take it so seriously. That's sort of true. Like, <laughs> but, like, I, like, <laughs> I
1: think like I wasn't, it wasn't like I was thriving on the basketball <laughs> team, <laughs> to be fair. Um, yeah. But yeah, Ultimate <laughs> is definitely the, where I put my focus. Um and, and I mean, there's a number of reasons. Like, I was good at it. I was much better at it than I was at basketball. And that obviously helps drive that desire to pick that sport.
0: <laughs> um, I was just going to say, when I was in high school, my high school team played Paideia. The, I was on the boys' team, and we played Paideia, and we just got, like, gross. We got, like, obliterated. It was, I mean, it was cool to, like, be there and be playing, yeah. but... And to, like, see what, like, good ultimate could be. But it wasn't a pretty sight, I'll what tell you. What team ya. was it? I played for Fox Chapel when I was awesome. in high school. Yeah.
2: You guys were so bad, you like, didn't even remember who you were. Yeah, I know. Well, we I like, drove down. Lie. Would I have been on the team?
0: Yeah, probably. I think so, actually. Isn't that funny?
2: <laughs> yeah. I...
0: Wait, hold on. We can figure this out. Um. So I graduated in 2009 from high school, and I started playing in 2005. I think we went... <laughs> oh so maybe not my sophomore year which was 2006 2006.
1: yeah that was probably the year before otherwise obviously i would have remembered i don't
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure (laughs) um what's better your memory or your basketball skills i'm just
2: kidding (laughs) um (laughs) so so high school yeah what happened after high school so high school
1: yeah i played in high school and then honestly i was like kind of like ultimate has become so much of my identity i like sort of wanted to push away from it in a way and like didn't want to make my college decisions based on ultimate. Um and I think in some ways I regret that. I, I think I should have been okay being like, I really enjoy doing this. It's okay to make a decision around college to have Ultimate be part of that. But there there's something about it that I I like wanted to push away from it. I wanted to like expand myself and not just be the guy that played ultimate. Um, And so it wasn't like I was actively trying to get away from ultimate. I knew I wanted to play in college. I just didn't want it to be as big a part of my college decision-making process. Um, And so, yeah, I went to George Washington university in DC and played there, but obviously it's not a, a great ultimate school. Um, I had a great time playing Ultimate there, and everyone, we took it seriously, so it was very fun. Um, In some ways, I think it benefited me because I I didn't really get burned out of Ultimate. It also allowed me to, like, kind of fall in love with Ultimate again. Not that I, I stopped liking it, but I think I was, by kind of pulling away from it a little bit, it, like, made me realize how much I really did enjoy playing and being competitive and being part of the Ultimate community, um and and then getting the opportunity to play next-gen really affirmed that i like there was all these other people taking ultimate really seriously and i was like oh wow this is a a really cool thing that i want to continue doing these players are way better than me i want to be able to like play on at this level um and so that was a, a big turning point for me to be like i'm gonna actually take this seriously and commit to trying to get better and playing you know after college and so on
0: when did that so when was next when would next gen have been so
1: my next so my first year on next gen was the second year of the tour which i think was 2012 okay. i think next gen yeah. started in 2011 yeah I did. so it was my so, it was after my sophomore year of college and i did it twice so i did you were
0: on next gen after your sophomore year of college
1: i think so wow that's cool um, I think it was after Were my sophomore league? year and then after my junior year.
0: Were you one of the youngest people on the team?
1: Yeah, I think I was the first year, maybe mm, not mm-hmm. the second. That's another weird thing that's been happening to me over the last couple of years. It's like I was always the youngest. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, the young, good player. Mm-hmm. And now I'm obviously not the youngest on, <laughs> on teams. And it's like this weird switch because in my head, I'm kind of like, I'm still younger player on the team but in reality it's like we obviously have way more way way more younger players than me um playing on pony and other teams i've been on uh it's but weird yeah, i think it? next Gen, i was i was in the 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 younger group i may have been the youngest i mean thinking back on it now it's insane it's like kevin was running this thing with a bunch of college students. <laughs> Kevin was, was like taking 24. children around in a bus. Like I thought I, when I think <laughs> like that's about it. that's a bad I, idea.
0: <laughs> whose it, mom was signed the form for that.
1: When I think kidding. about it, he was like this really put together adult <laughs> in my head. And, but now thinking about it, it's like, I can't imagine being 24 and like driving a bus full of college <laughs> students. <Yeah. laughs> um, I
0: remember Kevin talks about like having like a briefcase full of like just cash for like the whole tour would just like put everybody's like cash that they would use to pay for the tickets like in this briefcase. And at the end of the summer, you'd have like (laughs) just this briefcase full of cash. It's like, what the fuck was going
1: on? Everyone, I wasn't on the first year, but everyone talks about how, the first year was obviously he was learning everything, mm-hmm. and it was he just had cargo pants that he would just <laughs> stuff with cash at the at the at the game. But yeah, definitely like as I've gotten older, it's I've you know it's put in perspective how kind of crazy that was that Kevin was able to pull it off. Yeah, just like being that young and that. Mm-hmm. And it was like pretty. I mean, when I went on it, it felt pretty organized. I was like, I get on the bus, we drive to a place, we play a game, we a bus that hang like out, we sleep on the floor at some random person's house. Like it was, but yeah, that was like my. That was an incredible two summers for me, and really affirmed that ultimate was such a unique, fun thing to put a bunch of time towards, I guess, yeah. and want to commit to.
0: Did you know like, did you know when you were in college that you were gonna want to get really serious about it after? Or was it just after next gen that you were like, oh, this is important to me, this is what I want to
1: yeah, do? Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, and and this is like happened somewhat during it, it was just like in college, I was into it. I I liked it. I think I felt a lot of this is probably more like personal pressure where um it was like I had played like junior worlds, and so we'd be at these like college tournaments where there's like it's just like I had this expectation it's probably mostly just me on myself being like I should be better than this person that's guarding me and it was like it it definitely impacted my ability to get better because I was like constantly trying to make excuses in my head of like oh I wasn't trying 100% or like I wouldn't want to try 100% because like it felt like a lose-lose for me it was like if I do try and don't succeed I won't have any excuse um, so it's like, oh, if I don't try, I can like fall back on like, oh, I would have done better. And, and I think like as I was doing that, it was like I was not playing as well. I wasn't enjoying it as much. And so I kind of was like drifting away from it in some ways. In my first year or two in college, Next gen became an opportunity that like helped like really make me want to take it seriously. But also I was like I was getting injured a lot. Like I on Next gen, I dislocated my shoulder um and so i like couldn't play as much as i wanted to and it kind of felt like i was like maybe this is going to be the the highest level ultimate i get to play um but by the time that was done i you know i think i had realized i wanted to do it it was more like am i going to be able to do it and take it really seriously um and so I don't think I really, yeah, it was like next gen definitely like helped put me on that path. And then playing truck stop after I graduated college, I think reaffirmed again that it was like, oh, like I'm good enough to play at this level. Yeah, It's super fun. Um, I got a, way better at how I viewed getting better and like approaching things with like a growth mindset rather than constantly trying to fall back on like, Oh, I'm not trying as hard as I can or something like that. And I got much better at just like, I'm going to go hundred percent all the time. There's going to be times where I don't do well. There's going to be times when I do do well. Um, and then I, I found myself getting way better, way faster okay. um, as that was happening. Let's I don't know get, if that I've, answered the question. Oh Yeah.
0: I really want to get into <laughs> that. Cause that's like, so I, I mean, I, I remember that feeling like when I was in college, I was like the kid who went to junior worlds and like every time I like, you know, was guarding somebody who, like, didn't go to junior olds and they scored on me. Or every time I got deed by somebody who, like, I would, you know, be nervous that, like, I was getting worse or everybody else was getting better faster than me. And it was a lot. It was a lot. And, like, if somebody shows up to the field for, like, scouting or something like that and is, is, like, expecting you to like, do really well, and you're having an off, I don't know, like, I've, I an off day, like, I don't, like, I just remember feeling, and it's, you're, you're young to be feeling yeah. that pressure, too, you're like 18, 19, you're just a kid, basically, like a teenager, and yeah. like, yeah, I so I remember that feeling, and for me, it was kind of overwhelming, and it made it really difficult to, like, I don't know, yeah, this is really interesting, I've never actually, like, thought about it, or had this conversation, but, like, what, how did you work through that? Yeah,
1: so for me, it was definitely happening in my freshman and sophomore year. I think I was kind of aware of it, but I I didn't really know how to put words to it. And then I, I took a sports psychology class in college oh, wow! that helped that, like, it was just like, it was like a class, it was like an elective, and I was interested in it. And they talked about... Um, task orientation versus like an ego orientation or an ego mindset. Um, And essentially what that is, is like an ego orientation or ego mindset is like you're viewing success based on how you perform um, against others or like compared to other people. Um, Whereas a task orientation is you're viewing success based on like how much you've gotten better. It's like, you know, I can throw it 20 yards And then I practice a lot and then I can throw it 30 yards or whatever it is. Whereas, like, an ego orientation would be like, okay, I can throw it 40 yards. My friend can throw it Mm. 60 yards. I work really hard. I can throw it 55 yards. My friend can still throw it 60 yards or 70 yards. And then it's like, I feel like I failed. And so, like, that's sort of the ego mindset. And the truth is, like, most people have both of these and it's good to have both. Like there is an element of like you, you need to, at least I think that it's like the top athletes have some ego mindset, but also have a very strong task orientation or like, I think this reminds me of like growth mindset stuff that helped me a lot. But so like that, that class kind of helped me be like, Whoa, this is definitely what I am doing. And, and I remember like vividly having these moments where it's like you're guarding someone, you, ex- you expect to do better than them, and you just you give like 50% or 80%. I feel like I would, when I would, back to basketball, I would play basketball at like the gym at GW, and you would see these kids who are like way better at basketball. And it's like me and two of my friends who are just like trying really, really hard, and the kids we're playing against are significantly better than us, but like wouldn't try very hard. And it's like, maybe we would win, but it was because they're going like 50%. And like, that was what I was like with Ultimate, I think. It was like, I was afraid to fail mm-hmm. because of this expectation I had for myself. And then I just wouldn't try. And then I wasn't getting any better because I wasn't trying. Yeah. Um, And I think it's something like, I don't know. I, I think it's like a common thing in sports, like young yeah really talented players sometimes can, like, fizzle out because there's so much pressure and you, like, don't learn how to not do well.
0: Yeah. And, like, what you need at different levels of the sport is, like, the skills that are applicable at, like... Like, in the NBA, like, college basketball, the NBA, it's, like, the people who are successful at one level might not be successful at the next level. So, like... And I feel like when we were kids, too, it wasn't the same kind of infrastructure that there is today. So, like, thinking about, like, how to grow as a player and like move from one level to the next is like a unique like path that is a little bit difficult to know how to navigate yeah
1: and and i think i was i was lucky like i didn't try there was a u23 or u24 i think it was u23 honestly when i was doing it but it was there was a tryout and i didn't end up trying out for it and i kind of hurt myself but it was also partly because i was like kind of afraid to fail and not make it and like If I didn't try out, then I could still have this expectation around myself or, like, kind of – I could still tell myself, like, maybe I would have made it. Like, I wasn't putting myself out there. And then – like I, I read this book, the art of learning, um, which I think I've talked about on every single podcast or interview I've ever done. <laughs> um, but it talks a lot about, uh, the growth mindset, um, which I I think uh, the psychologist Carol Dweck is, is like, it's, it's based on her research, um, which it's similar to what I was talking about before with like the task and, um, ego orientation It's just like making sure you're, you know, like how you get better at things is by trying harder essentially it's like it's unrealistic to expect you're just going to naturally be incredible all the time at yeah. everything and being able to shift your mindset to at, like ask like why why did i mess up there why did i fail there and then like deliberately try to practice that skill and, and base some of your success, not necessarily just on like, am I better than this other person, but am I, am I actually getting better at this skill? Yeah. Um, and so once I was able to shift to that, I think it helped remove a lot of pressure for myself. I got a lot better. I started having a lot more fun. And I think it's helped me past college when I started playing club um, and like putting myself out there, like trying out for worlds teams when like in 2016, I tried out for the, the national team and I think I don't think many people would have expected me to make it. I don't think I really expected to make it. I had a great tryout and was able to make the team, which was amazing. But a lot of it was because I had gotten way better at being willing to put myself in a situation to fail. And before that, like I was not comfortable with it and was like way too tied to the outcome of how how I would do to like my self-worth in ultimate. Um, and once I was able to, I mean, it's, it's hard to totally get rid of that. Right. Like yeah. I definitely still have it, but once I was able to at least be conscious of it and be aware of how to get better at things and like try to get better at things, I, I, it definitely helped me unlock getting, getting better at ultimate as a whole and I love being that. better on better teams, et cetera.
0: Yeah. This is awesome. That I like, we have, we talk a lot about failure. We have like two episodes where we talk about failure. I love talking about failure. Cause I think I'm definitely trying to develop like a healthier mindset around failure too. Cause I don't think you can get to the level that you're at without like working through this without being afraid of not like winning a matchup or winning a game or, you know, something like that. So I think that's, That's amazing. Um, one thing I'm curious about is in ultimate, I mean, it is a lot about matchups. Like you're, you're guarding someone or somebody's guarding you and what you're able to do is in a lot of ways contingent on what the other person is able to do. So how do you remove your, when you're kind of always like up against somebody else or always comparing yourself to somebody else, how do you remove yourself from this kind of thinking?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely tough. I think you're right. It's, hard to completely remove it. I think what has helped me is like at, at the highest level or like at just like the club level, right? Like when you're playing, there's a lot of really good players that you're playing against. Like at nationals, let's say like everyone that is playing on a team in nationals is very, very good. Um, Whether people know who they are or not, like to get there, you have to be very good. And so I think when you're, like, you just have to be okay failing against somebody. And, like, it's it's definitely hard, especially it's like you're playing some team and maybe they don't put the best defender on you. Or, like, they they put someone you don't know who they are on you and then you're kind of like, why is that? And, like, it's like it can, like, get in your head or whatever. Like, it happens all the time. Um, or it's some young player that you're like, oh, I should be better than this player. But it's like they get a D on you or they sky you or you can't get open. And you're like, am I? what's happened? Have I gotten worse? But it's like, I think... I don't, I mean, I don't, by no means have I mastered this. Um, There are definitely times when I get in my own head and don't, or like, or less confident, but I have, I, I really think like basing it on how my own individual feeling of how I'm playing, like, yes, someone's guarding me when I'm cutting, but like, I know if I do a cut that feels good versus, like, doesn't feel good or if I, like, end up dancing in the lane or something like that. And so I can try to compare myself to how I think I should be cutting or playing or playing defense or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely difficult. Um, and, and at a certain point, like, I've gotten a lot of confidence over the years of playing well in big games that – has given me more of a cushion, I think, mentally, where it's like, I can go back to a time when I did play really well, or like when I did succeed in a specific, um, in a specific way. And like, maybe that's not a healthy way to do it, but it's like, that can help me kind of have, have a little bit of a backboard when I'm not feeling as confident. And like, those experiences just like build on, build on each other. So like, they kind of, it dominoes as, as you have more and more times of like succeeding.
0: Yeah. At. That's kind of, like, what you were saying, too, about the, like, the first time me and Nick talked about this, um, he was talking about how, like, I don't know how to explain it, but basically, like, everything you do, like, good and bad, you can, like, put on, like, a a scatter plot almost, and, like, sometimes you're doing something better, sometimes you're doing something worse, but, like, any one of those dots isn't representative of who you are as a player. It's, like, the whole overall picture, so if you, like make a stupid drop or you like throw it away or something like that that's not the whole story the whole story is like this integrative picture of like yourself and it's important to keep that in mind definitely yeah that's really yeah i like that idea what do i what should i do first should i read the book i guess i should read the art of learning
1: i mean i i love the art of learning um it's by this guy josh waitskin who's um he was... I don't know if y'all have ever seen the movie Searching for Bobby Fischer, but he... Have, yeah. yeah, so movie. He, he's, the, he's the... who that movie's based on. Oh, wow. Um, so he was like a chess prodigy who kind of goes through this a little bit. It's yeah. like he's like incredible at chess. He like becomes very, very good, sort of gets burned out. Um, and then he starts um, doing Tai Chi, like Tai Chi push hands. Um, and it's sort of his... The book is like kind of it's like a memoir in a way, but like very specific on how to get better at something. I mean, like that's as the title implies, like the art of learning. It's like how he goes from, you know, just starting out with Tai Chi to becoming a world champion Tai Chi fighter. I forget. It's like push hands. I think is tech. He does like two different versions. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of what he talks about is based on Carol Dweck's work. Um, and and I believe her book is called. It's either called growth or it's called mindset. I'm yeah. not sure. We'll we'll, um, we'll link
2: it if we ever when we when we put this up. we'll, yeah. we'll find them. But
1: out. both of those helped me a lot in how I approached getting better at the different things.
0: This is really cool because I've I, I've never had this conversation with someone about this specifically, but I can relate to a lot of these kinds of feelings. Like some of my friends, even t- you know will ask me like I I won't want to go to pick up or like I love ultimate so much but I like won't want to play I didn't play for you know many years and even now today like sometimes I won't want to go to pick up or something like that or even like a practice or and you know everybody sometimes people will ask me like oh well why don't you want to go like don't you love ultimate like I want to play any chance I can get why don't you feel the same way but I think For me, it's like, you know, if I go and I mess up, I'll spend the rest of the day like thinking about it or, you know, it's like it takes emotional energy to like get out there and play a little bit because there's so many like I really want to get better. I want to be the best player that I can be. And some days I just don't feel like I can do that. But I guess with the kind of philosophy you're talking about, it's like any it's like trying to kind of move away from that. It's like you should I mean, I I love ultimate and I love playing ultimate. And when I'm out there, I'm happy. And it's like just focusing on like not picking everything apart all the time, but like anytime you're out there, it's an opportunity to get better. Like anytime you're playing, you're getting better full stop. And it doesn't, you know, you don't have to like judge every little thing that you do or like pick out, spend time picking every little thing apart. Just like kind of focusing on being present, thinking about what you want to work on, if there's something you want to try and just like kind of more actively moving forward instead of
1: Yeah, and I think also being, like, curious or inquisitive Mm. about your failures rather than, like, being really hard on Mm -hmm. yourself at least has helped me is, like, why couldn't I get open in this situation? Or, like, why, when I threw that, did it go, you know, not to where I wanted it to go? And being a little more deliberate in, like, how you're viewing your failure instead of just being, like, oh, I've failed. It's, like, what what happened here? Like, what was – what caused this? How can I kind of, like something that in the art of learning they talk about is like this idea of like smaller and smaller circles. So it's like um, you just get, you like hone in on like, what is it that is causing that to happen? Is it like balance or something like that? And then you can like be much more deliberate about how you're practicing to get better at something rather than just being like, oh, I couldn't do this. Like, I'm just not naturally, I'm not a good thrower or Mm -hmm. something like that, which I think a lot of people jump to as they're like, naturally, I'm not good at math or naturally, I'm not good at throwing or whatever it is. Um, When I think a lot of what growth mindset is trying to tell you is like, it's much more based on how you attack getting better at something and like the effort you put into something rather than just being like naturally good at something. Like, I think- in high school, I remember this, it's like people would always talk about, like people would always like brag, like being smart was like cool, but like only, or, like doing well in school was cool, but only if you didn't have to study that much. Mm. Whereas mm-hmm. I think what, like after reading all this stuff and like thinking about it, I think it relates, but it's like, in reality, it's like trying hard and having like a growth mindset over a fixed mindset is much more valuable. Um, Because it like allows you to get better for much longer. And when you do run into something, let's say you are really good at math and you you get to a level where you fail. If you think about it like sports, same thing, you're really good in high school, you get to another level. If you have a fixed mindset where you're just like, I have this level of ability... You're gonna feel like you've hit a ceiling, even though you were very good earlier on. Whereas if you have a growth mindset, you hit that sort of challenge or a ceiling where you're struggling or you're not getting better and you're you're like curious about it. You're like, how do how do I get better? You've had the experience of getting better, you kind of know how to a, to attack challenges like that. Um, and I and I think that's why it's I mean, I think Carol Dweck talks about this. It's like it's more valuable to have Rather than having being like super smart, let's say, with a fixed mindset, it's more valuable to have a growth mindset where you can actually attack getting better at things intentionally.
0: I love this. This is why we're doing the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. This is awesome. This episode of the Ultimate Inc. podcast is brought to you by VC Ultimate. VC Ultimate has been producing custom uniforms and performance apparel since 1998. A company that proudly puts values and community before profit, VC is the world's best source for quality, design, and all of your ultimate needs. Check them out at www.vcultimate.com and at VCUltimate on all socials. Use the code ULTIMATEINC, one word, to save 10% on your next order.
2: Well, one one cool thing that we wanted to talk about was your time um, in Australia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was was the deal with that? What What was that like? so yeah 2017
1: i had just played world games uh in poland jimmy was on world games with me we had kind of expressed how how much we were enjoying playing and wanting to play more and like wanting to make ultimate a, a focal point of our lives and we were both ready to leave jobs um we had known some of the australian players uh i think cupcake tom tulet is his name uh had played on bravo um like the year before so there was some connections there we had played against the world games and like spent some time with them i had studied abroad in australia so i had like some frisbee connections there their season worked out where it's like their regular season was january to may so it didn't really conflict with club season and there was club worlds that summer um and Neither Bravo nor Pony were going to be in Club World, so we kind of were also interested in doing that, but wanted to like actually go and play on the team for the whole season. So we went in January, um, used it as a way to like travel around. We went to like Hong Kong, we did Australia, we did a couple places in Australia. We went to Japan and did Dream Cup. We went to Indonesia um, and played a tournament there. We went to the Philippines. Um, And we did a couple clinics throughout while we were doing it and then we would play we had practice like twice a week that was sort of like our grounding thing um with colony which is now i believe called sunder and yeah so that was kind of what i guess the reasons behind it it was like wanting to make ultimate a bigger part of my life i jimmy was also wanting to go so it was like fun to have someone to travel with uh we also Wanted to travel. It's like a unique opportunity to travel between jobs, and yes, we played the whole season with them. Went to a bunch of different tournaments, and then went to to Worlds in Cincinnati. And I guess exotic. that was 2018.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exciting,
1: exciting place. Well, there again? Next yeah.
2: Year. What was so that was the game that that finals game was the one that was indoor like half indoors. Yeah. It was, what was wait, that? half what was indoors? indoors. Yeah. There was like go what. Ahead.
1: So the semifinals game, we were playing double wide, I believe. And we played like the first half essentially outside and then there was a huge storm and it was like the end of this tournament, right? It was supposed to be like one more day. All these games they couldn't we couldn't play. So then we thought it was gonna get we thought it was at best it was gonna be the next day. Like mm-hmm. everyone left the fields, but then they essentially were like the only way we're gonna be able to do this is we're going to play at this indoor oh my like gosh. turf soccer stadium. What? And so they the way they did it was they were like, "Okay, it's going to be the same score. We're just going to have 20 minutes left what? on the semifinals game." <laughs> and it was like it was also like it was so crowded. Like it was the craziest environment of ultimate I've ever played in cuz it was like inside, it's really packed. There's a ton of people there. It's like overflowing. There's a like a shot clock that's like 20, 20 minutes. Like the mini, game's like over.
0: indoor winter league. Yeah. Like <laughs> and it's like
1: it's really loud. It was the loudest ultimate game I've been a part of. Like it was to the point where like we couldn't really hear on the line, um, because of how many people were there and like how loud it was and how close everyone was. And it was like inside
2: the turf was kind of shitty. Um,
0: like make or take it, subs on the fly Yeah, kind, of, it, thing.
2: kind of do whatever you wanted. <laughs> uh, well, there was definitely like a pull or a, or a throw that like got hit, that hit the uh, the, the ceiling. Yeah, there was some... Did
0: it get? Did it go back
2: or was that just... I don't remember what happened, but I do remember that. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is like insane.
1: Happened. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then we had that game at 8 p. I mean, speaking of failures, we had that game at 8 p.m. And then... We had we won and we had the finals against Revolver at 8 a.m., mm. um, which was brutal because I had like <laughs> chugged a Red Bull and taken like half a caffeine pill before this like 20 minute game. <laughs> oh
2: my and gosh! Then,
1: um, yeah, and then we played yeah, Revolver in the finals, and honestly, one of my one of my worst games I think I've played. Um, really? Why is that? I just had a lot of turnovers oh. that wasn't really my I mean it was amazing to get to go to finals and it was also like it was like the environment was different it definitely impacted me it was kind of it was like a unique it's like I'm used to playing outside and like what it's just like a different something that I had never done um and it definitely added to some of the uncontrollables that that can be difficult to deal with um I mean it it was an awesome game revolver was really good I think um yeah and you know we played well it was i think we obviously were were sad we lost that game but i think we were all happy looking back at the end of the tournament that we were able to make it to finals i mean it was a team like we didn't have a coach i think we brought like 20 people um so it's kind of like a you know it was a it was a wild experience but it was very fun um to get to do it and it was like a good culmination of of that whole experience
0: yeah that's amazing yeah you were just used to playing indoors
1: yeah. Exactly. You're if an I indoor had just player. practiced indoors, I would have, we would have won. No, uh, no, no, no. you <laughs> just
0: switched to an indoor stadium in the middle of the game. I'm sure it would have gone differently.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, but That's yeah, so crazy. yeah That's I remember so watching cool. that game or like the, the live stream and I was like, wait, this game is like half over, but they're just going to move it to a different place. <laughs> yeah. That was even, that was the craziest one. Cause the, the finals, it was early in the morning.
1: There weren't nearly as many people there. The semis, it was like everyone from the field showed up. So it was like wow. very loud.
2: And it was like there was only 20 minutes left. So it was like. And the sideline was oh like the other crazy part. It was like they're in this like indoor like field. And the sidelines are like three yards away. And it, there's like 10 people deep because everybody is just yeah. like it there. Nuts. It's crazy. It was, it was cool. Though. It was I mean, crazy. It, it, like it gave me like a, a little bit of a taste of like
1: it must be insane playing in like these actual like professional arenas where it's like legit insanely loud like um this was this was definitely the closest to that kind of environment i'd ever been where it's like you really we were on the lines and we're like what is like what's the play call like because because it's like echoing
2: and it's inside Uh, man if you would have
0: stuck with basketball i know i would have had some
2: experience i know i know you said that it was you know a really tough experience like getting into like the playing aspect of it but what was it how did you feel about that part of it like the the there are so many people there and it was like intense and exciting Yeah, I mean I
1: I loved it. It was it was a very fun experience and environment to get to play in for sure. Um it definitely made me realize like it's a in some ways I I think that is is a skill set, right? It's like I've gotten pretty good at being in high pressure games. Like I'd been in a lot of high pressure games, but this definitely being at such a different environment made it challenging Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was i mean it was awesome i think being getting to play in an environment like that is was a dream of mine um and so like getting even such a small kind of taste of it was was you know very fun for me and exciting and something i'll always remember
0: let's talk about that so like something that's really i think unique about like Yeah, I I would say are, but I don't think I'm really a part of this. (laughs) Like your generation of ultimate players, like starting with next gen, really, is that like as you've gotten older, the amount of visibility that, you know, in terms of media, like social media and like video availability and like filming games and everything like that has just like gone up exponentially, like as we've gotten older. So you said that this is a skill for being able to deal with these kinds of high pressure situations. So how do you... How have you kind of like approached that throughout your career and how has that changed as you've gotten older and played in these like more high profile games and also like with the advent of media where, you know, more people have access to watching high level ultimate, like more people are watching you play essentially from all over the world.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, next show is definitely like a good primer for that. Like, um, got me somewhat comfortable with like games being filmed and like more people having access to seeing them. Um, I mean, I think it's really cool that it's like, there's more coverage of it. People can follow it. Like I'm sure I would have loved following it, following ultimate in high school. If I had had that opportunity and it had been more visible. Um, So I I think it's, I I really enjoy that aspect of it. I, I think like some of the challenges are sort of what we talked about is like, as you become more of a known player there are expectations that people have based on uh like expectations you know players you're playing against fans just like people that follow ultimate whatever it is have of like how you're going to do and it's being able to like handle those expectations um and still you know be able to perform and and try to get better at things um I think is really important because I I think it it just adds to that level of sort of what we talked about when it's like you have an expectation for yourself or other people have expectation for you. Sometimes it can be very difficult to perform um, or you, you know, you shy away from it and you don't want to give it your all because that's like puts you in a position to fail. So I think the exposure, you know, it's obviously very small comparatively to other sports, but like within the ultimate community, there being higher levels of exposure, I think just makes that skill more important. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for me, it was like, I had a nice, like I I was never like super well known. And like, especially when I was younger and like after making like the, the world's teams, it was like, I became a little more well known. And like when pony won nationals, like that was another step. Um, So it's like, I felt like I kind of had like a gradual um, growth as a, as a, player and um yeah so i I like got comfortable with being in games that that more people are going to be watching and like maybe playing against teams that are specifically like scouting to see like what how i would like to play and trying to take things take that away like that's a whole other element that's gotten much more popular in ultimate is now that there's videos people can study what other players on other teams are doing and specifically try to game plan against what you like to do. And like, that can also be very frustrating. It's like, I want to do this one thing. Like clearly this team knows that I want to do that thing. And they're specifically trying to stop that thing. Um, So, I mean, that was something that you, you can be challenging and you have to get more comfortable with. And yeah, but it's, I don't know. It's a, I think overall it's a, very fun experience to like have more people be able to watch games and and see you play
0: that's why i try to keep my uh internet presence um pretty minimal for
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: my, my internet why presence I, is I also i opt very
0: out of streamed minimal. games myself uh
2: <laughs> well i'm yeah. glad i'm glad that you have a podcast so everybody knows how you feel about this
0: that's <laughs> yeah, true but nobody knows what i look like right so you know you talk about within like the last decade you really you know decided and made a commitment to increase the place that ultimate has in your life and how central that is to you and then you know this last year it's just you're in new york city right like it's really difficult to do anything and you know ultimates all of a sudden it's just gone um within a matter of weeks so what was that like for you
1: yeah, I mean, it was definitely a bummer. Um, <laughs> I, bummer. I you know, like, we had just, you know, we had a pony had lost pretty badly to machine the year before. So I think we were all like really excited to play again um, and motivated to play better. We had just had world's tryouts and I just made the 2020 national team. And so I was like really excited about that, really excited about the season. Um and was feeling like it was kind of like, um, you know, I was in my prime ultimate playing career, uh, years. Um, so losing the season was was definitely sad uh, and, like, obviously had a, a significant impact and just, like to what i was spending my time doing and obviously that happened for everybody like we were all just sitting inside especially in new york it's there's not a lot to do if you can't like go out to eat and things like that um so yeah it was it was it was definitely challenging i i think i in some ways it was it was finding other things other ways to be competitive or rekindling friendships and like Making sure I was like staying connected with friends um, made it it better. It it made you know ultimate definitely kind of fell to the to the back burner a little bit. It, but obviously very sad to to not get to play and not get to compete with with my friends and teammates. Um. So I mean, I live with during the pandemic. I lived with two teammates and very close friends Clark and Jimmy Um, so we spent a lot of time with each other Um, we played we started playing Call of Duty a little bit and that was like a good way to like stay in communication with a bunch of our friends Um, when it was warm like during the summer we I started playing spike
2: ball a little bit more we played a lot of spike ball this yeah. summer. Awesome. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I got, I got more into spike ball and that was a great way to like see people outside. And it's like pretty, I got pretty competitive with it and like a fun way. I think it was like, people were pretty good at
2: it and it was a good competitive outlet. Also, it was really funny cause we would go to spike ball and like in the beginning we all sucked at it. And then like, six weeks later, there were some people who were like incredible at spike. Ball. I was like, How? what <laughs> <laughs> you guys play way too much? Spike Ball. <laughs> <laughs> like spike. Ball
1: is fun fun. Um, I actually, so during the like winter months, um, I think it was like in November, my girlfriend and I went to Arizona and we kind of used that as like a hub because we were both working remotely and we got an Airbnb and we, did a bunch of like road trips to national parks in that area. So it was like, still we weren't really like seeing people obviously, but we were able to do like the grand Canyon and we did Zion and we did like a canoe trip. Um, and, and so like I got to do a ton of cool weekend trips in the Southwest where I had never spent any time um, and, and kind of able to to take advantage of that time. And that's also where I uh, first started like trying to, get into flying and learning to fly and starting to study, um, for those, the flying tests, um, still very much in the process of that, not has, did not finish, but, um, that was during that time in Arizona, that was when I started doing that as well.
0: So cool.
2: Yeah. I let's mean, talk about. We yeah, let's talk flying? about flying. Nick is
0: like the niggas are excited I, to suck this about this you know, episode. So
2: you know, um, well, so you've told me the story before, but why don't you tell everybody why you started, uh, you know, learning <laughs> yeah. to fly and why why that's that was important to you?
1: So I, so my um, grandfather was, a, uh, he he, it wasn't his profession, but he was an avid pilot. Um, he got like all the way through like his multi-engine commercial license. Um, and so he was able to fly like fairly big planes. Um, and he he passed away about two years ago now. And every time I would see him like the last, you know, I would visit him maybe, you know, twice a year or whatever it was. And every time we would say goodbye, it was always sort of like, maybe this is the last time I'm going to see this person. I mean, he was very old. It was expected. Um, he had a, a great life, but he would always when we were hugging, he would always talk to me about how flying was like the coolest thing he ever did in his life and like the most enjoyable thing and the most challenging thing he'd ever done. And so I had like expressed some interest when we talked about it. And I did like a discovery flight um, and like sent him a photo of it. And he was really excited and we'd like talk about different flying concepts. And this was like sort of before I had gotten that into it. And yeah, when he passed away, i was like this would be a cool way to sort of feel a connection with him uh and i know he would be super excited about it and he you know it's someone who's lived a whole life that was just telling me constantly like the coolest thing i did was learn to fly an airplane and i was like i guess i'm gonna give it a shot (laughs) and so yeah that was kind of the what got me into it and like got me excited about it and then it was like a lot of watching youtube videos and like seeing people flying and kind of getting myself excited about it. And then I started taking lessons and, and studying. Um, Yeah. So that was, that's kind of how I decided to get into it.
2: Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, I feel like I had a slightly similar experience in that, like my mom's death really like got me to like go fly because I've wanted to fly since I was like five years old and It was all I could think about. And I was always thinking, oh, I can do it next year or the year after or whatever. And then when my mom died, she was kind of young. And I was like, oh, wait, if I don't do it now, maybe I'll never do it. And so I took like nine months and I got my pilot's license. And it was just incredible. I don't know. I had a great time.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I've loved doing it. I think it's a a very cool activity. Um, I'm obviously not done yet. How
0: far are you in the process of so, getting your
1: pilot's license? So I just, so like right when I I stopped taking lessons, which was like kind of when I was in Arizona, because it was way easier to get to an airport um, than it is here in New York. But I had just done like my first solo flight. So that's like a stage in the flying process. I was probably, I mean, like I think if I had stayed there and done it, I probably would say I was like three fourths of the way done. Um, at this point, I'm probably, I've probably regressed a bit and I'm probably closer to like halfway. Um, but yeah, so the solo flight was like a very cool experience for me. It's, you know, typically you're in the plane with the instructor. Um, and like you do at a certain point you're doing most of it, but you kind of have this safety net where it's like, if you you're messing up landing or like something happens, like they will take the controls obviously. So the solo is, it was just like, we were, we had a lesson and we were going up and i knew it was coming at some point but he was we did a couple touch and goes which is just where you like land and then you immediately take off and you stay within the traffic patterns you stay right by the airport um and then we landed we did a full stop i dropped him off and he was like i think you're good to go like do you feel ready to do it and i was like yeah let's do it and then it was like then it's just, it feels very different. It's like I had done it by myself, right? He's just there. He didn't even say anything. Like, that's part of it. It's like, he's just like, pretend I'm not there. But then when he's actually out of the plane and I'm like on the taxiway and you can like see him as away, it's definitely like, I knew I was ready, but it's, it is it is nerve wracking. Um, oh
0: my gosh, that's so cool. And then it was like, I did
1: like three laps where you like land and go up and land again. Um, and so I did that twice. So I did that one lesson and then another lesson. I did another probably 45 minutes solo. So it's like, I, I'm at the point where it's like, I have about an hour and a half of solo flight. Um, so, you know, I, I got to the point where I could do it by myself. I still have a, a long way to go with both requirements and like being comfortable doing it. Um, but I'm hoping I had, I just left my job as I was mentioning before, and I should have, about a month or six weeks off. So I'm hoping to finish um, and complete the pilot's license in
2: this time period. We'll see if I, yes, if I do got to go do it. But, so then, cause I have no other friends that are my age that fly. So we yeah, need to
0: Nick's friends with all these like old white men uh, yeah, and that, <laughs> that he tells kind of me about, about all the time. Oh yeah. So, yeah. You could have all of these old white male friends,
1: too. I I (laughs) definitely the demographic
2: of flying, for sure. Um, So do you have, like, like an end goal with flying? Is there a thing that you want to be doing? Or is it, for me, it's just recreationally. So, like, I, I want to fly because I just love flying, and I don't want to, like, get paid to do it or anything like that. It's just like something that I want to do. Yeah, but you have your
0: own goal though. You want to fly across the country.
2: Right. I I, I do want to fly across the country. Yeah. So I I have like a couple things
1: that for me, it's recreational as well. I don't really have any intention. I could see myself at some point being, if I like when I was closer to retiring or something, I could see myself wanting to be like a CFI, like a flight instructor.
0: What's a CFI? Uh,
1: certified flight instructor. Oh, okay. And it's just like who teaches people how to fly. So I could like potentially see that, but I wouldn't say that's a goal. And my my view of flying is is it's recreational in the same way. Like I, I really enjoy it. I think it's like such a cool thing to do. I think it's incredible that it's possible that you can fly. Um, I think honestly, like one of, and then I have like some of these like personal goals, sort of like what you're talking about. Like I would love to get my um, float plane certification. I know we talked about that a little bit. What's like. Float plane? So it's like, uh, like like the seaplanes. Yeah. Yeah. So like being able to like, like, I would love, like I've spent some time in Alaska. My dad moved to Alaska when I was in high school. And so I've like follow all these Instagram channels and like YouTube channels that have like, that are these places that just like are fly in, fly out like cabins and you can like almost lake hop around. So it's like, I would love to get that certification I'm a little ahead of myself because I don't even have the private pilot certification yet, but like that would be something I would love to do. And then honestly, um, the other thing I had, I had wanted to do is fly across the country. Um, and then I've like gone through lots of phases of like, Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I think getting the license is definitely the initial goal. And like, I would love to like build a plane. I think that would be something that's very cool. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I
2: that's my other, I want to fly across the country in a plane that I've built myself. Yeah. That's like, it, it's the yeah, dream I think
1: it would be an incredible experience getting to do that I think for me so it's like I have those that are kind of like but I think right now that the goal is just get the private pilot's license you got it I believe in you yeah I, I mean i yeah I was I, it's tough because I was so close and then came back to New York and it, I got definitely had a little bit of a setback but hopefully I can do it um do it when I have this
2: time off so a lot of people ask me this question about like the like the mortality of flying and like how dangerous it is and how how you feel as a pilot and like how you feel being in control of of something that could in you know people say fall out of the sky which it can't really do but how how do you feel about about that and how you know in theory how dangerous it could be?
1: Yeah, I mean honestly, my experience with flying i i think i've gotten more confident in how safe it is um as i've learned how to fly it's just like the redundancies if you're doing it correctly and like taking the precautions you're supposed to and like you have your own thresholds of like when you're going to fly and when you're not going to fly i i really think it's fairly safe obviously general aviation is much more dangerous than commercial aviation um I think I tend to be, like, with this type of thing, like, fairly cautious. Um, So I trust myself that, you know, I'm going to be cautious when it comes to flying. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely, like, nervous. I mean, it's like talking about that solo flight. It's definitely, like, there's, like, stuff going through my head. It's like, I could really mess this up pretty bad. (laughs) But at the same time, it does feel feels I mean I don't I don't know it feels like I don't feel like I'm like risking my life
2: doing it if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean I feel the same way. I, you know, a lot of people talk about or they ask about it and they're like, "Well, if the engine fails, then you can just crash." And that's not actually how it is, you know. If if the engine fails, you you're just a glider and like planes still fly when the engine quits. You just, like, land in a field or something, and it's yeah, and it's fine. So,
0: But it also goes back to what we were talking about before in terms of cultivating confidence in yourself. Like, I'm, whenever you go out on the field on, like, nationals or something like that, like, you could be like, man, I could really fuck this up right now for <laughs> yeah. everybody. But, like, you know, you like, it goes back to what we were talking about about being confident in your skills. You've been – you've practiced a lot. You've been in these kinds of situations before. You know what you're doing, and if you just kind of, like, focus on that, then –
1: yeah, for sure. And, like, right now, if I were to go up, if I it was, like, I'm in a plane, and it's, like, I got to take y'all on a plane ride, like, I wouldn't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I would feel not good. Like, I think, theoretically, I could probably pull it off, but I, like, I am not at the point. So, it's, like, it, in some ways, it's a hard question to answer, because, like, I don't feel super confident by myself right now on a plane, but I'm sure I would once I get got the license. And I did, honestly, three months ago, I felt very confident. So
2: I I feel, I mean, I feel the same way. I have a rule that, you know, I I fly every once a week. And if I get like three weeks out of flying by myself, I won't go up without an instructor because it's, it's not my job. It's like something that I'm doing for fun. And so I don't need to risk my life for something that is not, you know, something that I need to do all the time. And so, you know, if I, so that's like my personal limitations on, on, my confidence levels and like how to, how I keep myself in check to make sure that I'm making the right decisions and, and making safe decisions.
1: For sure. And like
2: what I've loved, about, this is a little off topic,
1: I guess, but like something that I think is so cool about flying is it's this mix of, of learning the science behind like how something can fly and like the physical ability it actually takes to control the plane. Um, which is obviously it's not like you need a ton of strength or anything, but there's like a level of coordination and like combination to knowledge that I think is very unique to flying that is like such a, was such a fun experience for me. It was like learning all this knowledge and then getting to like incorporate it with this sort of physical skill. um, I felt was very fun and rewarding to kind of have the like, tactile experience of like controlling something while like understanding like how it's operating and like needing that combination of knowledge and skill to operate a plane i think is like
2: a a unique uniquely rewarding experience that that flying provides yeah i mean i agree i I loved learning the science behind yeah how airplanes work and how all of the you know, barometers work and how all the weather patterns and all that stuff. And then like going up and being like, okay, this actually works. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is incredible. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's very cool. Um, hopefully I will, I will finish soon and we'll get to go flying
2: soon. <laughs> yeah. Let's go, let's go, let's go get a, get lunch somewhere. Yeah. It'll be awesome.
0: Where, where do you want to go?
2: Um, so one of our friends, uh, Kristen Scott. So Kristen's family has a, they they spend some time out on Block Island and Ooh. apparently there's a little, uh, it's like a seven hour drive or like a f- an hour and 10 minute flight so we can fly over there awesome. oh, wow. and they yeah. have a little uh, lunch spot on the field and we could just go. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Have some lunch on Block <laughs> Island. Cute. Yeah.
0: We were thinking about, like, if we could... I I don't think we would have had time, time, but we we thought it would be cool to do the interview in the plane, like, flying. That would (laughs) have been awesome, but... (laughs) Next time,
2: once I have my license. (laughs) Sounds good. Mm -hmm.
0: good.
2: Yeah. Uh, Do we have anything else we want to talk about? Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Any, like, personal, like... a, A thing that we like to talk about a lot on this podcast is, like, mental health and, like, personal struggles. And I don't know if you have any... Any big,
0: you yeah. Know, we didn't put this on the list, sorry, but if you yeah, have any like yeah. personal trauma that yeah. you're ready to, <laughs> um, <laughs> just to let everybody know. about. <laughs> <laughs> no, no that's
2: yeah. Like-
1: <laughs> um, like I think something I've always struggled with and like can impact me mentally is like not exactly knowing what I want to do with my career. Like I like there are elements yeah. of it's like I, I'm happy in my career in a sense, but I'm also like. It's not like in so many other avenues of my life, I'm I'm good at having a goal, and I'm good at like getting to that goal, um, and like it's helped me with frisbee, it's helped me with you know like flying things like that, um, and I think something that has definitely impacted me, like mentally, is like kind of feeling unsure about what I want to do, being like I spent a lot of time playing ultimate, that seems to be the <laughs> skill set I've developed the best. Um, <laughs> and yeah so i think like there there are stresses with that when i'm like working and i'm like what am i like why am i staring at a screen for eight to ten hours a day um but you know it ebbs and flows i think frisbee has always been this incredible outlet for me where i've i've been lucky enough to have something that I can be really passionate about, that I can put a lot of time and effort into getting better. I've been lucky enough to like play at the highest level and continue to get better and like be involved in the ultimate community. Um, so that has always helped. I think a little bit of stress came in with like the pandemic coming, like ultimate sort of being taken away, and me being like, what? What am I? Like, who am I now without without ultimate? yeah i don't know i think i think it was like i i've really enjoyed being good at something like it's really fun to be good at a thing and ultimate was kind of that thing for me and then like that was not really part of my world anymore and so it just made me yeah question cool. thanks like, yeah. not having something that i was like super good at that i could like hang my hat on um yeah i don't know i mean i think it's, it's probably something i'm still gonna deal with in the next couple of years like as as i you know, hopefully I have plenty more years of playing high level ultimate, but eventually that is going to come to an end and I'll have to address it or <laughs> like yeah. handle it. I mean, I think I've, I'm getting more and more comfortable with that concept as I've gotten older. Um, and, and in some ways, like the pandemic showed me that there are other things I could really enjoy. Like I really enjoyed going camping and hiking and things like that. Um, But it was, it was, I think it's it's a rare experience to get to be one of you know like a top player in something or a, like at the top level of anything i think is is difficult to do and i've been lucky enough to do that with ultimate and it's scary to kind of have this thing that i've put so much time and effort into and which like it inevitably will end yeah. um and so like being aware of that is, can definitely be stressful.
0: Yeah. I think like, it's kind of funny cause like I dealt with that when I was like 19 and now a lot of my friends are starting to like <laughs> feel those feelings too. But like, I mean, I think like it afforded me the opportunity to kind of like grow in ways that I didn't realize I like kind of needed to grow in, which was nice and interesting. And and also the other thing is that like ultimate's always going to be there in like, it might not be there in the exact same way that it is like for any of us today, but it's all like the people are, this community is like, I mean, people don't really leave the ultimate yeah. community, right? Like, I don't we know. Just
2: play, we just played league until. Yeah. You, know, you just like, it's
0: always going to be there dead, and like one dead. and it exists already in like so many different capacities and so many different, like, facets and pockets of the, of the country and the world. And like, there's always new opportunities and new people to meet and new ways to grow and learn in like in the sport and in yourself. And yeah I don't know I think it's yeah. just like it's just gonna change it's and like, I'm gonna excited away. for like
1: when ultimate's over for me to like find something else to get good at like maybe pickleball or oh, spikeball yeah. ball or whatever something
2: that I can like flying like, I'm gonna make I, sure I that just... it's flying so you, <laughs> <don't> fly <all laughs> yeah. time.
0: So you have another friend that's me. not that's uh, younger than like 70, 85 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it
2: cool well this is awesome yeah Yeah. This thanks, is really for, cool. thanks for having me thanks for being Super on the fun. podcast yeah well this is the ultimate inc podcast i'm nick that's liz that's chris and we are sponsored by m&ms no, our we're thing- not <laughs> sponsored i'm <laughs> telling you we're sponsored by M&Ms, we're not
0: yeah check us out at ultimate inc on instagram
2: we love you all thank you bye <laughs> doing You're such a creeper.
0: I'm not being creepy. I'm just playing with the microphone. There's a big difference. Okay. Am well, I creepy? Yeah. You
2: I are. think I For would sure be creepier
0: if I wasn't so darn cute.